to in URFM's Health and Wellbeing. For our sponsor, Mullen Natural Health Centre, Hamilton. Look, he's made his way into the uh, studio this afternoon, ready for health and wellbeing. Peter Mullen, good afternoon. Oh, hang on. Let me try that again. Peter Marlin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. Lots uh, on the big show today, and we're talking about a topic that is uh, one of the most, the biggest health, uh, mental health concerns in the country, anxiety. Yeah, look, it's something that um, really I think uh, you were going through a bit of an epidemic here. Um, you know, 20 years ago when I first saw clients, the most common reason people would come in or patients rather would be for, for stress and, or sorry, for fatigue and gut issues. And then over the years, it's morphed into fatigue, gut issues and stress. And now pretty much every patient, new patient we'd see would talk about symptoms at some point in their life of anxiety and depression. So, yeah, mental health is something that's really changed a lot. And I thought it's really worth us worth a while us looking at why that possibly is and then you know maybe hearing some from from some people out there that have actually found things that have really made a big difference with them coping with anxiety as well yeah we do look forward to those calls with peter this afternoon on 49216216 health and well-being and a bit of disco peter as well you ready for this i'm ready for this ready for this Keep those shirt buttons up. Don't take the shirt off. Well, let's sort of set the scene to start with. Uh, there, is there a key difference between feeling anxious and anxiety as a condition? Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, like we need a certain amount of... Um, so a good example is, you know, every year I see kids coming to see me like for their... Um, kids doing their HSC, high school certificate, and they'll come in suffering symptoms of anxiety. And I'll always say to them, look, it's, it's a fine-edged sword because you, to, to be... And these kids are all the high achievers as well. So to be a high achiever, you need a certain amount of stress or anxiety to get you across the line. So stress and anxiety are normal physiological responses and at times they can actually help us to perform better. So, you know, if, if, if you've got a lot of work, you've got to do your, your anxiety or your, your stress levels or your anxiety might build up, but it actually gives you the energy to help achieve it. Anxiety per se is when those feelings, that stress response doesn't turn back off. So these people are, you know, feeling that way all the time for no real reason. So the, the difference being I'm feeling anxious, I've got a HSC coming up, okay, well, that's natural because this is an event. Yes. But have, having anxiety is you just go beyond, you, you overthink it and you just keep thinking, oh, how did I go in that test or how did I go in that life situation and you just keep going, playing it over and over in your mind again? Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard for people to get their head around that if you've never experienced anxiety, it's hard to sort of get that gist that your nervous system does turn, doesn't turn back off. Like the way I always explain it is, <clears throat> you know, if you think about that fight or flight response, anxiety comes from, the anxiety response comes from a primitive part of our brain. So it's a part of the brain that all baby animals have, you know, baby crocodiles, baby chickens. It's a real old part of the brain that, you know, all all creatures kind of have and it's part of our, our survival instinct so if you're in the jungle come across a tiger you get that surge of adrenaline to wrestle the tiger or climb the nearest tree so that stress stress response should turn on 15 to 17 minutes and then turn back off again you know it hits a certain level other chemicals are produced which turn that switch back off and then you should get back to your normal level so for a lot of people you know if your stress coping level is normally a 5 out of 10, you might get stressed by something, but the next day you're back to normal, it's all good. With people with anxiety, they get that stress response that's been turned on, but instead of getting to that point where the brain turns it off, they sort of break through that ceiling. 
So their stress and anxiety and their nervous system response just keeps going. And they might be just starting to settle a little bit and then something else sets them off again. So their body, their nervous system is in, in a continual state of fight or flight response. Even though rationally they're looking around, they can't see that tiger. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I guess some of the, the general symptoms uh, that you've got here, like feeling that excessive amount of, of fear and worry, a sense of dread, catastrophizing or obsessive thinking, uh, and trying to avoid situations that make you feel anxious. There are types of anxiety as well, aren't there? It's not just anxiety. There are gen- a few different types. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, types of general types of anxiety include um, what's called GAD, general anxiety disorder. And... Um, People with GAD often will say that, you know, when you ask them, how long do you think you've felt anxious for? They'll say, oh, I was born anxious. I've always been anxious. Even as a kid, I was anxious. Um, not always the case. But, um, and then there's panic disorder where people experience intense and overwhelming panic attacks. So you can have anxiety, but you don't necessarily then have to have panic attacks. Or you can have more of the panic attack type situation. Um, and you get all those physiological symptoms um, shortness of breath, heart palpitation, chest pain, other physical symptoms. Um, there's social anxiety, and that's, um, you know, different again, experiencing an intense fear of being criticised or embarrassed or humiliated. And um, I remember actually when I was, and it's only in latter years I've recognised this, I travelled around Australia for 12 months when I left college. When I came back, came back to my hometown of where I was grew up at the lake, and um I remember probably for about 12 months, any time I went somewhere, I became um, like I became really anxious about going out. I was more anxious about running into people that I knew. Oh, we after having that. been away yes. for 12 months, it was quite quite. And yeah. looking back now, that was social anxiety for me. And the way I I didn't know what it was or what was going on. I avoided going places, or I went late after parties had already started. So a lot of times with anxiety, people don't realise they have an anxiety problem because they sort of work out their own way of doing stuff that they can get around it so like me i used to go to parties late or i'd make sure i'd get there really early and go with you know a heap of other people you sort of work out strategies so sometimes you know people can be suffering from anxiety and not recognizing it's an issue a couple of others uh, specific phobias that kind of speaks for itself uh, ocd obsessive compulsive disorder this is one we hear a lot of yeah, and so these aren't so much anxiety conditions, but um, two conditions that you know are, can have anxiety associated with them are OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and also post-traumatic stress as well um, has a certain amount of anxiety associated with it as well. What about some of the causes? What takes us from uh, being not anxious to having one of those anxious conditions? Um, well, again, like I, I sort of look at anxiety not just as a mental health issue you know i struggle a little bit with that terminology mental mm. health because it still harkens back to you know it, the stigma is still there the stigma is still there and i sort of think of anxieties like a lot of um these conditions as being associated like the it's the whole a whole person's body is out of balance you can't be a really healthy person and have anxiety to my mind you know there's a connection the whole the mm-hmm. body works as a whole it's not just individual areas and what we're noticing, and this is, you know, we've talked about this before in this program about how our kids' health is not what it was 25 years ago, how in practice I find patients are much more complex these days. Our fertility is not what it was. Sperm and testosterone levels, interestingly, we might do a show on this, male testosterone levels, a testosterone level of a mid-20-year-old these days can actually be lower than a 50-year-old. 
because oh, testosterone levels out of whack, doesn't it? testosterone levels have dropped something like thirty to forty percent over the last thirty years uh, for these for young guys. And if you don't reach your anyway, digressing. So I sort of put I think of anxiety and depression and mental health type issues is the same. Our health is getting more and more complex, and as our health gets more complex, all of these conditions get worse. So in Australia. Anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia. On average, one in four people, one in three women, one in five men will experience anxiety. Um, and then in a 12-month period, over 2 million Australians will experience um, anxiety. Yeah, some big, big, big numbers there, Peter. Yeah. They are big numbers. Mm. So I think it, it, we need to be discussing these sorts of things and not uh, and get away from this from thinking it's just a mental health issue. That there's there's a whole host of factors involved. Mm. So some of the causes um, for no single cause of anxiety, but no rather number of risk factors. Um, family history, you know, does play a role. Now, really important to point out that our genes aren't our destiny. But if there's a family history of anxiety, then we often see that it will run in run in families. Um, certain personality traits may be more prone towards developing anxiety, and again, I think this comes with family traits as well. Um, perfectionist, easy flustered, easily flustered, timid, lacking self-esteem, um, um, and a lot of us have these traits. But I think if, as a kid, you were a bit of a perfectionist, and you know, I remember as a kid, um, we used to use the word, the terminology, shy. Mm. But shyness is really ang- early start, early, early, an early type of anxiety, really. You know, where kids have to hide behind their mother, and it's normal part of their normal growth. It's not a bad thing, but just that sensitivity. Um, one of the big things why I think we're seeing such an increase in, in anxiety is what we've talked about before of unrelenting, unremitting stress. Stress. I think pace of life these days, where our nervous system is actually turned on more often and I sort of equate it a bit like you know going to back to that analogy that you know our stress coping should sit at say to five out of ten mm-hmm. if over time it's kind of like the car volume the volume switch on your radio has been dialed up you know when you're 20 usually 10 foot tall and bulletproof you know you don't even know what stress is you wonder what everyone's talking about when you get older you get married have kids a job a house all of those sort of life life events the pressure we put on ourselves it's like someone's turned that volume up until now your normal stress coping, your normal, even when you think you're relaxed, you're sitting at a seven or an eight. So at seven or eight, it doesn't take too much extra for you to be hitting that ceiling. And if you've got that predisposition, you may be one of those that actually breaks through that ceiling and then you've got an anxiety type scenario. I sort of equate it as like that old story of the frog in the pot of boiling water. You know, if you put a frog in a big pot of boiling of water, cold water, and turn the gas on low, the frog will happily swim around till it gets cooked. So, but if you put a frog, if you chuck a frog into a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump out pretty quick. So, I think that contributes. Um, chronic physical illness, you know, we're seeing an increase in conditions like diabetes, asthma, thyroid problems, heart, heart disease. Um, I think they all play a role. Inflammation generally is, there's a lot of um, suggestions coming that anxiety is associated with excess inflammation in the body, same as with depression. Um, so all of these health conditions all have in common excess in, in, um, inflammation. Pyral disorder we've talked about before is a, another reason why um, anxiety might run in families. Pyral results, results in a chronic deficiency of zinc and B6. And, um, and again, it's a double whammy, substance abuse. Um, a lot of people may get into using drugs because of 
um, feeling anxious, mm. but things like cannabis, it's you know, worse. cannabis is a shocker for causing um, anxiety, particularly in boys. So, yeah, it's definitely some, some points to think about. Alrighty, we'll come back and consider some more of those uh, points. And if you'd like, uh, in fact, we've got, we're going to squeeze in Jenny from Fern Bay. Jenny, uh, you'd like to know if restless legs are associated with anxiety. Good afternoon, Jenny. Oh, good day. Yes, I've Hi, got Jenny. a girlfriend. Yeah, I've got a girlfriend with restless legs. Yes. Um, and I'm just wondering if anxiety adds to that condition. Oh, look, it would definitely... Like, a lot of people that have a fast nervous system, like, if you're talking to them, they're always tapping a pen or they're jiggling their leg. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mark's just stopped tapping his pen and jiggling his leg. Um, mm. So, yeah, so if someone's anxious, definitely that can exacerbate restless legs. But I'd, yeah. I'd recommend your girlfriend try some um, good quality magnesium powder. Yeah, we've already been down that path. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Look, in a minute, I'm going to get onto some of the herbs that I recommend for um, anxiety. Um, right. It definitely might be worth a while. But if she's, if she's concerned that she could have anxiety, she's best to see someone and get that checked out anxiety peter if we've got it what can we do about it well look it's it's like um so the way i look at anxiety again is it's like as as a health condition it's like having diabetes Mm -hmm. like having um cardiovascular disease it's it there's possibly inflammation involved there may even be immune activation involved in the whole sequelae of how anxiety kicks in that's a big word Interest. I think I made it up. Actually, it's interestingly, not a, not a real word. <laughs> interestingly, one theory put forward to um, anxiety and some of the symptoms is to do with changes in your breathing. So, when you're more stressed or anxious, have you ever noticed your breathing changes? You breathe shallower and more frequently. Yes. Yes. So, when when someone's having a panic attack or hyperventilating, what's happening is they're getting an imbalance in their in their body gases between oxygen and carbon dioxide. And that actually causes a lot of the symptoms like the smooth muscle constriction, the hands clawing, the tingling around the mouth is because this change in gases. So remember in the old days with anxiety, they'd get someone to breathe into a brown paper bag. Yes. So you're trying to bring your carbon dioxide levels back up and bring your oxygen levels down because when you're hyperventilating, you're breathing out your carbon dioxide and you're breathing Mm -hmm. in more oxygen. So you get less carbon dioxide, more oxygen. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing because that causes the body chemistry to be slightly more acidic. It starts to um, set off alarm bells in the body. So that's, that can be a contributor to why anxiety keeps going. So one of the, the, the best tex- techniques for people to start to look at um, is anything to do with breathing and how to breathe properly. Now, there's a method of breathing called the Buteyko method that I'd really recommend for anyone with anxiety to actually look into finding a bit more about that. Um, anyone that, you know, learning meditation that particularly evolves around breathing retraining because, interestingly, we all breathe too much in a minute. We might do a whole show on breathing. I've got a guy I might get to come in and talk to us about breath because this day and age, we all breathe too much. We all breathe with our mouth open. Anyway, off topic again. Yet Mark. again. Yeah, so, so what about breathing s- exercises. So Breathing's pretty good. Um, what about some natural <laughs> supplements for anxiety? <laughs> I'm doing a talk tonight. We've got a sold-out talk tonight on anxiety. I think we've got 130 people coming. And um, you feel, How are you feeling about I'm that? Just a bit ex- Performance I'm a bit, anxiety. No, I'm a bit excited about it, actually, so I'm getting a bit carried away today. Um, it's just great to see so many people like actually showing an interest or showing an interest in learning more about understanding what's going on with their health. So... Number one, always get diagnosed by your GP, psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, I would start with your GP. Um, 
and that's that's like there's all degrees of anxiety but if you've got an anxiety disorder like it's a serious thing we need to take it seriously we need to start there for starters um but from there like a lot of things um like having diabetes you know we look at your whole diet from a naturopathic point of view we look at what you're eating you want to eat to manage your blood sugars gut health plays a role your sleep patterns is a major issue um nutrient deficiencies you know a lot of people with anxiety you know will be low in things like magnesium and zinc so all of these things play a massive role and sometimes you know someone's anxiety if someone's highly anxious just by getting onto the right nutrients they might be lacking can reduce their overall anxiety by 25 percent that's and that's a huge that's a huge start one of my favorite herbs and there's a, a herb called kava you, you know kava heard of so kava is traditionally used in fiji um part of their ceremonial um life process <laughs> um so kava there was a great study done and you can google this monash university did a great study comparing kava with some of the benzodiazepines for anxiety treatment and they found there was it was just as effective with less no side effects and no addictive tendencies um magnesium as i mentioned zinc um both play a role in increasing what's called gaba which is our calming down neurotransmitter so if someone's low in zinc if someone's drinking six cups of coffee a day um fish oil also plays a role and the great thing is a lot of the things that we would recommend from a naturopathic point of view if someone's already on antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication these things can be taken safely alongside that long as you're careful about dosage etc alrighty uh, well we'll move on to uh, Margaret you're on the central coast uh, Margaret and you've got a question about anxiety for Peter this afternoon hi yes um, hi, I just, hi. Um, I'm 60 years of age this year um, just um, when I was a young teenager I was having um, a lot of um, moments where um, I would just uh, faint um, or okay. um, get yep. get to the point of nearly fainting, um, and then of course I wouldn't want to go anywhere because of this fainting. And went to the family doctor, and long story short, he put me on Valium, okay. believe it or not, yep. Um, yep. At, at at a tender age of around sixteen. Yeah, um, wow. yeah. Um, I, I soon spoke to a friend of mine. I was I was very sort of not ignorant, but just thought you know, doctor knows went best. Along. And yes. Yes. Yeah, and um, anyway, I, I, I um, stopped taking them um, not long after and um, went about my business, got um, got married, had children, drove them here, drove them there, um, put up with, um, you know, five children later. And yes. um, then I, on approaching menopause, um, I, I found that my anxieties were coming back again. Yeah. Um, you know, everything you've said, the breathing, the, the feelings the tingling the the pain in the back the shortness of breath to the point where yeah you're right i i'm i'm not um comfortable in in i won't go to that situation because that's where i felt yeah. it yeah. and i just my question is um i'm just wondering if when i really looked back i thought it seemed to be focused more around the time of like my puberty and yeah. my Absolutely. Um, and my um, menopause. And that's a question I've often sort of thought to myself. It's and a wondered, common... Would that have triggered it? Would uh, that have made it worse? Absolutely. If you've got... If you had those sort of familial tendencies, perhaps... And then, you know, nutritional deficiencies, other factors come into it. But definitely, I see a lot of women where anxiety gets triggered around the start of their menstrual cycle in the first year or so. And definitely menopause can be a trigger for what's um, for 
flaring that anxiety back up again. Thank you very much, Margaret. And very quickly, Peter, a couple of lifestyle changes you think for anxiety. You mentioned meditating, getting a bit of exercise and eating a, uh, a low inflammatory diet and getting a good night's sleep. Absolutely. And probably one more thing, and Margaret really um, made this clear as well. With anxiety, what seems to be really important is to be able to timeline and think back to when it started and what were the precipitating factors because that really gives you a much better handle on where to go with help and treatment from there as well. So if Margaret sort of pursues support from a menopausal point of view as well as the nervous system stuff, that may well be a, a really big turning point for her as well. Okay, Peter, you've got a couple of talks coming up uh, Tuesday the 3rd of July. That's the thyroid talk. That's with David, Mr. Seventies. He'll be looking after that. Uh, <laughs> Am- Amanda will I'm be... I'm going to tell him you called him Mr. Seventies. That's, that's fine. It's not in 74 when David comes into yeah. the station. Amanda will be looking after menopause at the end of July. And uh, next week, uh, David actually will be in uh, talking thyroid. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Mark. Okay, that's uh, Health and Wellbeing with Peter Marlin. Uh, taking a couple of weeks' break, so probably a fish. Is it fishing trip time? No, just a holiday with the family. Okay, we look forward to that. Don't miss my birthday, though. I need a present in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll send you a message on Facebook. All righty, thank you, Peter. And if you'd like some more details, head to, uh, to uh, mullenhealth.com.au. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.